Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. It's Stress Awareness Month and Movement Month, and what better way to celebrate than by interviewing fitness expert, celebrity trainer and founder of the Embody Exercise Technique and Global Online Studio. Originally from Alberta, Canada, Marnie Alton grew up immersed in music, theater, and dance. After graduating from university, Marnie booked a TV show, moved to Los Angeles, and fell in love with both the city and bar fitness, a workout that builds strength and flexibility that uses many of the same disciplines she learned as a dancer. After working under other fitness instructors, Marnie developed her own unique style and has since become a leading innovator in the bar community. I can personally attest to this. Now trusted by thousands of clients on a global scale, Marnie empowers clients to reach their fullest potential in every moment and to dig deeper than they ever thought possible. I also can attest to this. Marnie believes that feeling powerful, graceful, and confident in her own skin is what it's all about. Please join me in welcoming my dear friend, soul sister, and the powerhouse behind the Embody Global Fitness Movement, Marnie Alton. Man, I'm good. I like teary from you reading that sweet bio. Thank you. Same. I know you. I love you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, hair flip girlfriend. I love it. Yes. How it are you? So, I'm good. I'm good. I miss you. Um, it's wonderful that we have these kinds of like technologies that allow us to talk, but also see your beautiful face. So I, it's, um, it's, it's feels nice to have that. Same. Same. I love it. And I love that LA greenery behind you. It makes my, my heart a flutter. California, baby. I love it. So you and I have been friends for, I want to say around a decade. Yeah. Um, and we met each other right at the, the beginning, right at the catalyst of both of our respective careers, I would say in terms of building our own unique brands. Um, but I'm curious, what was little Marnie like? Little Marnie. Um, I've always been, I was, so I was the oldest and I was sort of in my family's group, my parents' group. I was the only kid. So I became the entertainment at like adult parties. I was always the kid at the grown up table. I eventually had other siblings and, and all that and all that kind of fun stuff. But um, so I always sort of conversed with, with older, older people. I always wanted to entertain. I always wanted to rise up. I always wanted to sort of like earn my spot, I guess, you know, um, my mom used to say also that she just said, she's like, you never had to wonder what you were feeling. Like that was one thing you never had to guess. So I guess I was, I was communicative about my emotions. Um, but I had, I had big ideas kind of early on. So I, I started dreaming about, um, moving out of the town I grew up in and um, starting a new life and sort of being in the what I saw at the time as being like the bigger world pretty young. I mean, I started making a journal, like my escape journal, even though my family was lovely, it wasn't like traumatic. I just had like a, a notebook that I started when I was about nine or 10. Um, and it was my plan to when I left home. Like I would do, this was pre like major internet everywhere. So like I 
would have to do research or find phone numbers or call things or look in newspapers or things like that. And then I would record them in this notebook and like start planning how I was going to get out in the world. So. And at what age did you quote escape? Yeah, escape. <laughs> I speak family. I did escape and they were lovely. They are lovely. Um, I left home at 17. 17. Yeah. Talk me through the journey. You're now based in Los Angeles and Embody Online is now based out of Los Angeles, but walk us through going from Alberta, Canada to Los Angeles. Hmm. It, that wasn't the original plan. So the original plan was New York. That was where that the escape journal was all about New York and how to get there. Um, and then when I did turn 17, graduated high school and a couple months later was ready to to leave, um, I had I had already been you know saving and planning. Like in high school, I planned my curriculum. Like and you can choose what classes you take and what order. And I stacked all my classes early on so that in my final semester, I think I had like drama and English that I had to finish. And so I would start working at noon. Like my school day was almost always finished at noon. So I always had one or two part time jobs to save up to go. So. Um, so even my last year of high school wasn't like super school oriented. It was already like getting ready to roll. So, but it, it, it back to your question, it was supposed to be New York. I was like Broadway and New York City and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, but when it was that time to leave, reality set in. And there were certain realities like I'm not an American citizen. I can't work in America. My dollar at the time was worth half of what the American dollar was. I knew nobody in America whatsoever, you know? Um, so all of these things came sort of crashing down in the, in the last maybe six months or so when I was really sort of making final arrangements and it just wasn't feasible. So I knew I had to stay in Canada and I knew I wanted to pursue performing arts. And so it was basically, you had two choices in my mind at that time, which was Toronto or Vancouver. And I had to drive. So Vancouver just seemed closer, you know, it seemed more logical. So I went to Vancouver, um, lived a few years there, started acting, graduated performing arts college, got the acting bug. And then eventually that pathway is a little more LA centric. So the acting pathway was film and television. So that's how I eventually ended up in, in LA through auditions, then booking a TV show down here. So um, I've never lived in New York still, which is crazy, but I'm, I'm grateful. I do. I, you, I would have never, ever said before that LA, um, I wasn't really drawn to Los Angeles, honestly, but now that I'm here, I, it just, it feels like it's always been home. It feels like the right place, you know? So it's happy accidents. We've talked about this a lot and it's also been brought up a lot on this podcast that LA has such a beautiful and special female community, female centric community. And it is so pure and so supportive and so Oh my gosh. It's like, it's hard to describe. And I know that like both of our businesses were truly built upon this female community that is in Los Angeles. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, I think, and I don't know if this is an outdated notion, but definitely when I was little, there was this idea that LA was like fake and cutthroat and all about Hollywood and um, everyone was terrible and selfish. I mean, these very sort of like crazy tropes, but I, I had the real artists were like in New York, you know, those are the real people were. And that was sort of my narrative growing up as a little kid in a small town in like way Northern Alberta. And um, 
So getting here, I was so surprised at how opposite that all felt to me almost immediately. Um, it, there's probably an aspect of personality too. Like you and I are both sort of outgoing, outgoing people. We like to talk, we like to, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so there is that openness that does come. And I suppose if that wasn't your nature already, it might feel a little bit put, put offy, put offy, not a word. Off-putting. Um, off <laughs> Thank you. Off-putting. Um, but the, the community was just occurred like kind of organically. And I think there's a, there's a like begets like, um, in that sense, I wanted connection and community and those people showed up in, in, in my life. And so I've really had a really positive experience with that here. And I, I don't know if that's a little bit of like the, the sort of like the way that the West coast is right. If you're more, the idea would be, um, maybe if you're a seeker or if you're someone who is, um, thinking, you know, trying to think of bigger pictures or exploring new things. Um, it's an, it's a newer, it's a younger community than something like New York, right? East coast is more based in, um, tradition and like the building of this nation and then finance and then structure and all this kind of really cool stuff in history. And LA is a little bit more of like, we came out here to discover something new, you know? And so getting a bunch of these powerful women together in these environments now that are allowing us to actually have access to be able to create things right as well. Um, I think maybe we're just all, we're just, we're just all on the same, same path, you know, and there's, um, there's a power to that. And I've truly experienced nothing, nothing like that, nothing but support in this space. There's also something to be said about experiencing that community in LA and then bringing it wherever you go. I mean, I'm now based on the East coast. You're company is now this global movement. Um, and I do want to get into kind of that idea of community and how it's now bled into this massive thing, this lifestyle brand, this fitness empire that you've created. Um, but I also want to talk about the, the steps in getting there. So what was this, what happened between you arriving in LA, starting out in the entertainment industry, and then opening up your original brick and mortar? Hmm. Um, so I had no, I had no aspirations of fitness. In fact, um, I was not an athletic kid. I was a performing arts nerd. I, um, I didn't like gym class. I worked out as an actor because I thought I had to be a certain weight or size or look. That's, that's really where I landed. I had, I danced and I loved dance, but I'd even kind of let go of that when I came to Los Angeles, because there was a sense of my own self that, um, you know, I would go roll through a dance class and like everyone who just came off of the Jay-Z tour was also in that class with me. And there was a, my, my type A need to succeed was like, I am out of, this is, this, I was just wanted to come work out. Yeah. So, um, so I kind of like lost my connection to that whole, to that whole community when I first came here. And then I eventually through the entertainment world, um, I just started realizing that it didn't suit me any anymore. Um, that I How had, long into uh, your career was that? So you moved to LA at what, at what age? So I moved to LA, I guess at 23. Okay. I want to say, um, I started, it was kind of, a, it was a loose transition back and forth, kind of living part-time in um, Canada and working part-time here and working depending on where the, the work 
took me. But I think I eventually sold my place in Vancouver then. So, um, so I started there and I, it was all I ever thought I was going to do. People would ask me as an actor, when I would say I was an actor, they'd say, well, what's, you know, your plan B. And I would be, I would scoff at that idea. Like there is no plan B. There is only plan A. And um, I was really committed to that and had been my whole life and had a lot of identity, my self identity sort of wrapped up in that. And I started, um, I mean, my agent would call and I would get a panic attack. I would hope that I would get in a car accident on the way to an audition. I would, um, it was just really strange, strange things where my, I started just really rejecting it. It just no longer, I guess the best, it just no longer fit me, right? And through that time, as I was transitioning, I had also started working at the bar method. It was brand, brand new. That was in 2005. So you're, you're speaking about that. So it, they, it was brand, brand new. And they were looking, no one knew what bar was. No one knew what anything was. They'd opened their West Hollywood studio and they were looking for um, instructors. And I had a friend who I had met in acting class. Who, she was a dancer too. And she's like, you should come, just try it out. I eventually got a job there quite quickly, actually. And, um, and I began falling in love with it. I, I kept it as a side hustle. I just was like, great, you know, they pay me cash and I get to work out for free. And it was really, it was really just, a, I was kind of new to this. I was new to the city and I would meet people through it and I enjoyed doing it. And there was no pressure. Nobody cared. No, try to tell someone you taught bar and it would take you 20 minutes to try to explain what that even meant. You know, um, it's not, it wasn't in the fitness vernacular the way it is now. Um, and so it, it, there was, and there was no sort of, there were no fit, there was like a couple of like fitness celebrity trainers, you know, and that was it. That was, it was not a, it was not the sort of niche, almost aspirational um, career path that it is now, you know. Um, it, people would say, you're really good at this. Would you want to do this? I had the, you know, the, the company ask if I'd want to open a franchise, things like that. And I look like, excuse me, I am going to be more in my life than a fitness instructor. Thank you very much. I got quite offended at, at that notion that, um, which is hilarious now, right? But because I'm so happy, this is something that I think that I actually have thought of, like, and we've talked about this, but that I've thought about in other parts of my life as well. Like I'm so definitively clear, I am a clear person and I am an action oriented person and I am going to do this and succeed. Uh, you know, or whatever, endeavor to do this. And some of the greatest, most of the greatest things that have happened for me are by surprise, or I never could have thought of that, or I would have actually thought the opposite of that. Um, and so it's taught me to be more open and more of more exploratory and less um, tightly wound about, about um, ideas or goals, you know? so interesting that you say that because I find that one of the characteristics that I have been really leaning into, I feel like in the last three to five years, but mostly like the last two to three years is this concept of surrender. And yeah. to hear you, the woman who has so been such, had such an impact on the idea of surrender for me to hear you say that you hold on to things so tightly. It's just so ironic because you are so, you have been such a huge impact on my life is in terms of like permission and allowance and surrender. Um, 
So that's my little testimonial for you. That's so wild to hear. Wait, Mary, did I ever tell you, I'll, I'll keep it brief, but did I ever tell you about, um, about the swimming in the, with the dolphins in the ocean? No. Thing? Okay. So this was a big aha moment for me. And I feel like it's, it, it, it exemplifies exactly what, what this is. And it was sort of the beginning of me of start starting to let go. And I always think about it when I find myself too tightly wound. So I'm not a big swimmer. I, I come from prairies, right? I'm, I'm very intimidated by the ocean. Um, but I went to Hawaii. I happened to stay with this in a small community um, of people who, through friends, who actually had access to this dolphin sanctuary. And what I mean, it was this cove that was completely prohibited. No one was allowed to go it. It was where the dolphins fed. Um, they were protected there, but this very small group of people would go and like swim with them in the morning. These like yogis and meditate, you know, all these sort of spiritual people. So I was welcomed into this very exclusive tiny group of people that were sort of allowed to be in this really cool space, which meant you had to wake up at five in the morning, go in the freezing ocean through lava rocks, through the surf to like even get out to where the these, these little guys were. It took me three days to even get in, get through the surf. Cause I, the first day I got bloody, I got smashed back up to shore. Um, the second day I got a li little bit further. The third day I was like, I'm not even trying. I can't do this. And the fourth day I'm like, I, I can't miss out on this opportunity swimming with dolphins in the wild. This is a bucket list thing. So I finally get through the surf and get out there and like stop having a panic attack uh, uh, that I'm going to drown. And I'm like, okay. And I'm in this sort of quiet waters of this cove. And now it's very important to me that I swim with these dolphins. Like there are no dolphins around. There's no dolphins anywhere. I see them every day. I'm watching people swim with them every morning and I'm out there this day and there are no dolphins. And so I've got my snorkel on and I keep like, treading water and like getting above the water and seeing like, oh, there's a fin over there. And I'll try to start swimming towards a fin, nothing, nothing. And now I'm tired and now I'm freaked out because I'm tired. Um, and you 10 minutes swim at least back to, back to shore depending on the waves. And there's no like wander over to take a rest for a moment. So then I start really kind of freaking out on multiple levels, like not allowing myself to go back into shore because I can't not do this afraid that's like seriously running through my head. Like what happens if I die? Like if I start to drown, will someone save me? All of these sorts of things. Um, and so I finally remembered that I'd been told that the salt water will keep you buoyant. So if you like surrender to the water, it will hold you up and you get your breath back. The more you fight and try to sort of tread water, the more likely it is that you're going to get into distress. So I gave into that. That was very hard for me, even that. Um, so I gave into that and within moments, Mayor, no joke, I was flooded by dolphins on either side of me. So I'd spent an hour trying to catch them. I'd spent an hour exhausting myself. I was in a state of like freak out and truly within moments, I was surrounded by, it, it felt like infinite numbers of dolphins <laughs> around me. Oh my gosh, and it was chance. one of like, the most magical experiences of my life and it was a very it was very that overused but it was a very like poignant aha yes I come back to that a lot when I find myself in that state of distress of chasing something so hard that I feel like I'm about to drown and um that happens a lot in life I feel like you know um how long ago was that that was even before I moved to Los Angeles so 
so yeah, that was like 20, 21, 22, probably 22, just before. Yeah. Speaking of crazy rides, if you knew what, how crazy entrepreneurship was before you started, would you have started it? Uh, probably not. I wouldn't even thought of it doing it. No, no. And you know what, actually, so when I was researching opening the studio first and I had no background in, in, um, uh, like entrepreneurship business whatsoever. My mom's a hippie, you know, I the, the, you barely know how to balance a bank account or I don't even think you balance a bank account, but you know what I mean? It did not come from that world at all. And so, um, and I hadn't had an interest in it. So I really didn't have a big skill set. Um, and I have a friend who I would lean on who is, who is, you know, has her MBA and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And she would talk me through things and she's like, okay, so we make a business plan. I'm like, don't think I know how to do a business plan, you know, um, those sorts of things. So I just started talking to people and, and, and like my research was anecdotal information of people who've done it before. That's kind of how I typically roll. So I would talk to people who had fitness studios. I would go to a class and I would make sure I'd go to the owner's class and I would stay after the class and I would talk to the owner. And I would say uh, probably 10 times out of 10, I got told, don't do it. Like mm. you're don't, this is a really hard role, this boutique business thing. And I was so wide eyed and so like, just knew I was, that's where I was going right then that I thought, oh, that's sad that they're so like uninspired by it now, you know, and, and I completely ignored them. And I remember about three years in being so exhausted that I was like, it was one of those things where I actually, I, <laughs> I haven't told you this, but I like ended up like on a ball on my kitchen floor. I'd gotten some like crazy news and it was just one more stress on the thing. And I kind of like collapsed to my kitchen floor and just kind of didn't cry or anything, just sort of sat there paralyzed for a second. And it all came flooding back. I'm like, this is why they told you not to. <laughs> like, where are the dolphins? Where are the dolphins? Where are the dolphins? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, thought, I, I mean, I guess I was told don't, but I didn't, I did it anyway. And I'm, I'm so great. I'm so grateful that you did. Um, how, how long did it take you to open a brick and mortar? And I also want to talk through, I mean, you literally put your blood, sweat and tears into that space. I mean, painted the walls, put the floor down, all of it. So I would love to speak to that process. Oh. Um, so I think it's important when you, on the topic of entrepreneurship, I think to some degree, our, our current culture has created um, a similar story system around this idea of making your business becoming a success as they did with celebrity. And it's this sort of idea of like, you did this and then this achieved this and it's this overnight success or this I worked hard success. And we don't really get, the story isn't interesting with all, isn't as interesting with all the real bits thrown in. That's why I align it with celebrity, right? Like all the, we, we, we curate something that is an aspirational, inspirational idea or story. And then that's what sells, right? And that has its, its, that has its validity, it works. There's reasons it works. I'm not a fan of that. I like knowing all the details, all the bits. And um, one of the things that I think can be challenging is that people will be very like, well, I made this and you won't realize you made this, but you had access to these giant funds, or you had a history in your family of doing business your whole life, or your silent business partner, had, you know, has launched 15 companies or like things like that, right? There's, there's things that 
people had access to that gave them, I wouldn't say, it's definitely not say unfair advantages, that's, that's inaccurate, but like advantages that don't get sort of added to the story when the story gets told. And I think that a lot of conversation is happening right now, even culturally about the fact that, that that kind of lives in all of us to some degree, right? We have, depending on where you're born or what your life experience is, you're just automatically armed with certain privileges, just how I like those, right? Um, and I don't think that we should, I think we should tell people about them. I think we should, we should acknowledge that. And so um, I think that's important. And, and mine was that I had it, that, that I get my, mine was that I had already been working in fitness through another company that had gotten well-known through the bar method. And so I had, had had the opportunity to learn and kind of master this this one aspect of teaching and get to know that community. So that's what I, I came to the table with that I was lucky enough to have. What I did not have is money or experience <laughs> or anything like that. So truly, I, um, I started looking like on Craigslist, I started driving around the neighborhoods that I, that I liked. I went on like LoopNet. I Googled like, how do you find places to commercial lease in Los Angeles? And I went on the websites that I Googled. And um, I, that's how I started looking for an actual location. And then when it came to realizing how to fund it, going back to my friend who said the business plan, I had sort of breaking it all down, I'd heard crazy numbers. Like it costs 150 grand to get a studio off the ground. I did it for 35 grand. That's how much I did it for. And then probably about 25 more in credit card debt. So like that's a hundred grand less than I thought that, that it was going to cost me, which is a very large amount of money in, in my world. Um, and it was just through like going to the bank and asking for a credit card and finding a location and calling the landlord over and over and over and over and over until she talked to me and then meeting with her and convincing her to give this person who doesn't have a job and now has no money in her bank account uh, a commercial lease on one of the trendiest streets, you know, in Los Angeles. So, um, so yeah, that's how it happened. That's how it happened. It was literally just one foot in front of the other. Um, and it happened quite quickly because, um, because I didn't have a cushion, like everything, everything that I did had to be get the next action. So once I took the credit card out, well, it had one year of no interest on anything I put on it, which meant I got, I had one year to be able to, to do this. That clock starts ticking. Once I sign a lease, you have to start paying rent. Once you, all these sorts of things. So um, I found that my advantage was that I think all of us, if we have something that we have to get done, we get it done. It's just, it's just, it's just how life goes. And so I just kept making things that had to get done, and um, they did. A lot about. I like to talk a lot on this show about timeline and the process and patience because you and I have both been in our respective fields for decades now. And from the outsider's perspective, looking in, it might seem like an overnight success when looking at, you know, the Instagram feed or the website or the following or, you know, people's comments and things like that. But we are two self-funded female entrepreneurs who own hundred percent of our respective companies. And it's fucking hard. And in the best way, it is, it is the most challenging 
it has been the most challenging thing of my life thus far. I mean, I don't think this compares to motherhood, but it's a form of, yeah. it's a form of nurturing and a form of motherhood. Um, and so I do want to just shine some light and I really am grateful to you for speaking to that because I do want to share light on how beautiful, but also how challenging the process is and how long it actually takes to quote unquote pop off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, that also speaks to why there's a lot of conversation. I think one of the best pieces of advice is to, to do something that you truly love because there's going to be a lot of time where that love uh, is really the only thing feeding you, your bank account, your mouth sometimes. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful, it's a powerful tool. I could not agree more. Um, you opened the studio as Barbell, called Barbell, and now it has transformed into Embody by Marnie Alton. How long into your launch of Barbell did you have that aha moment to, like that little, that little tap, that little voice in your head that said, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should pivot. Maybe there's, maybe there's, you know, a better direction to make you more aligned with your brand. Can you speak to that process? Mm -hmm. um, naming a business for me was, was challenging and it was challenging on a few levels. Um, one, you're, you're creating your identity. A name is an identity, especially within a business. And so that was, that was I, I really valued that and I found that very important. Um, two, I had no budget for marketing or promotion. So I had this one thing that I knew I had to do is I had to incorporate the word bar. And um, I knew that within the name. I knew that because my, the only money I had was to get a, um, like a sign on the window, like a sticker on the window. I didn't even have, I didn't even have the money yet to put a sign on the building. If you remember that took a, a, a year or two to get a sign on the actual building. But I had that. So I knew that the only way people were going to know what this place was, was from this one $400 sticker that I could afford to buy. And so that had to be, and plus the, you know, it's obviously with the name. And so if it just said something like fitness or exercise, then that wasn't going to be enough. And it couldn't be a nondescript name because then people weren't going to know what it was. And so I had to have bar in the name. And so ultimately I landed on barbell, um, I love French. I speak French. French. Um, I loved the idea that there was a duality in the name, which was what I was seeking, which felt like um, bar, sort of like a stronger thing. Bell has the femininity, the, the idea of a barbell being like a wig, you know, all that kind of stuff and then still incorporating it. So I it was really under the gun to some degree because I kind of the name didn't come first. The, the whole idea came first and I had to sort of figure the name out. So once that happened, um, that stuck around for a few years because we were at, gosh, year five, I think. Wow. When we finally changed the name, but I will say I, within the right, probably around the first year, I already knew it wasn't right. It didn't feel right to me. And I, that wasn't something I vocalized or communicated much with people because there wasn't really much to be done about it. I just kept thinking, how do we change? How do we change it. It felt too, it didn't feel, it didn't feel kind of strong enough or purposeful enough for me, the name. Um, but this is speaking to the point of things take time. So 
it, the name wasn't going anywhere after year one, you know, so, and it wasn't so pressing that it, it had to change tomorrow. Um, but it took me to year five to get the courage, to get the resources to find, because what I wasn't going to do is just change it to another name. Like that embody, embody came up. So I probably decided after about year one that the, the barbell wasn't right. It was probably around year two and a half that I started thinking embody it came up because I thought about what I wanted. It came up from a play on words, which obviously I like. Um, but um, this idea of like your movement embodying something, right? So you're through your body, you are expressing something um, because you can do you can do the same move on different days with different intentions and sort of communicate both to yourself um, and to the world, like what's happening that day. So the intention behind the movement, what the movement's embodying for you. So I started that, but then I got really freaked out, even though I felt really intuitively that was the right name. I got really freaked out that I didn't run it through its proper like business paces and branding paces and all this stuff that you're supposed to do. And so I would like run it through all these branding paces and all these other kind of name came up, but I kept being like, it's definitely a body. Like <laughs> the first one that you saw is totally right. Um, and then we finally got the resources together. Yeah. Around year five to change it. And I'm really grateful that I'm really grateful that it happened when it happened. Um, it ultimately looking back was the right time. I was so scared. I was terrified to change the name because by, by that time, um, we had a really strong community. We actually had some brand recognition within, within the world of fitness and our clients loved, they were like, so they loved the name. Like we, we all loved the name and I, I didn't want to disappoint anybody or make anyone, feel like I was taking something away from them that they loved or, you know, something like that. And it was just another great opportunity. I was literally married before that party, shaking, crying. I was so scared to tell people um, before the reveal. And it was, it was, again, you speak to that, like loving community. It, people were rad. They, it's not the name. It's not the name, you know, it's, it's the place. It's, it's, it's the community. It is the place and it is the community, but I feel as a client of yours, as a member of the Embody community, I do feel that the outfit matches the person now. The outfit oh, matches that's the best man. way to say it. Yeah. You know, I really yeah. do. It's, it's all completely cohesive now and everything makes sense. Um, so congratulations. That's so Thank you. You had to pivot quite a bit during the pandemic. Um, can you speak to like the day before? And I think there was a class that you taught not too long before the, the, you know, world being shut down and how you had to pivot afterwards. Yeah. So we, um, so the timeline just kept piggybacking on what we had just mentioned. So we actually launched October, November of 2019. That was when we had our launch party for Embody. So we had just basically rebranded. And then in January, February of 2020, some really cool things just organically happened for the brand. Um, Drew Barrymore is a client of mine. She unexpectedly gave me a really big shout out, which got a lot of press coverage. Um, and, and I mean, she's been my client for 15 years. So the fact that like the shout out was, it felt like, out of the blue and so wild, you know, it wasn't like we had just started training together and she gave me the shout out. 
So this had happened. We ended up in People Magazine. We had this whole sort of really successful New York tour where I got to pretend to be a New Yorker for a week and like do all these classes and take all these meetings and interviews and all this really cool stuff. And that was all happening right at the beginning. I was like, 2020 is going to be my year, you know? And um, additionally, when we had launched Embody, there was also the notion that, yes, of course, we knew that the fitness world um, had a, a even then, um, there there was a need for online workouts, more accessible workouts to people who couldn't get to the studio in Los Angeles. So that the idea of online had been growing for a while as well. Um, just there hadn't been a lot of action on it. That being said, we did plan to shoot. We had gotten everything together. We did plan to shoot um, three videos. What ended up being the week I got back from New York, which was also the week prior to the world shutting down. So it was literally this one week sandwiched in between um, that we ended up shooting these, these three videos. And ultimately, um, one of the, some of the, some of the assets that we shot was an actual class, like an actual Saturday morning class. And so what has been sort of beautiful and wild for me is that that ended up being our last sold out Saturday class ever because the next Saturday um, it, it was, things were starting to shut down already. And that following Monday, so two days later, that was lockdown. So we actually captured on film our very last, my personal very last class that I, Saturday morning class that I taught at that studio. And then consequently through the pandemic, we lost the studio. So it's, it's, it's so special to me that we have that, you know, and we didn't have no idea we were capturing something so sacred at the moment. We just thought we were getting like promo B-roll, you know? Um, so that was really, really wild. So we came from really high and excited, you know, all this stuff to what we all, all of us did, which was complete sort of confusion and, and like, Screeching halt. Yeah, screeching halt, um, emotionally and physically, right? Just mm -hmm. so, so like, this is a movie, right? This, this doesn't happen in real life. Um, and the first lockdown in Los Angeles anyways was, I remember it was, it was supposed to be two weeks. So the governor had said two weeks. And in that moment, because I was just so caught, caught up in the functioning of the business, I thought there's no way I can survive. I can't survive two weeks, two weeks, two weeks with no income, two weeks. Um, it, it, what am I going to do for my teachers? They have it's two weeks. I was so freaked out over two weeks for a moment. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was, that, that was a wake up after that shortly thereafter a month. And then, you know, we all know the way, the way it kind of rolled, but I think a lot of studios made different studios in my kind of um, business model, which is my business model relies primarily on ongoing memberships. For sure, we would have people that would come and do single classes and, and stuff like that. But our our real base was we had such, we had curated such a cool community and, and, and sort of like an exercise that could be done sustainably, like you didn't need to do other exercises. So we, we really, really, our, our base was these, these memberships that people had. Um, which once we heard it was a month, every studio had to make their own choice. Some people decided to leave all these memberships still going, you know, um, 
and allowed each individual to decide whether they wanted to turn off their membership or not. You know, people decided all these different things. And just the way that my brain works, I immediately was like, I know I'm going to be closed for a month and I cannot take people's money when I'm closed and I can't provide their service. So I made the decision for better or worse to pause everybody's membership at that moment. It just felt for me personally, like the right thing to do. I just couldn't see another way for my own sense of, you know, sense of choice of what to do. Um, and so I shut it down. I sent an email out. Um, of course, so many of our people were like, absolutely not. Leave it on. We're supporting you. Do not turn me off. I mean, and that more tears, more tears. Um, but the reason I bring that point up is because I went from, you know, revenue to zero revenue overnight. Um, and so that is why the, the online became a push so quickly because I had, I had a team of employees that I had a commercial, you know, rent a commercial lease to fulfill. I, I had to find a way. So that seemed to be the only option in that moment. But I do want to commend you because you guys moved very quickly. I mean, very shortly after lockdown and after kind of the, the initial jolt and shock of the, of the pandemic, you launched your online business very, very rapidly. And not too long ago, also launched your app. I yeah. mean, I just, I, to, I am so impressed <laughs> how, how quickly you guys have been moving. Um, can you speak to your app and to your online? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was terrified of teaching online. I'm a very like, in re we've talked about this. I'm a very in real life person. I am, I, 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 I I thrive. I have a lot of confidence. I'm reading a room. I, I, that's, that's my, that's my skill set. Online was not, um, I, you know, I, I struggle to, to post enough. I start, you know, all those sorts of things. Some people that's very much their skill set. That's not mine. And so I was pretty freaking terrified about it, but, um, I don't know if I, I think I've told you this, but so shutdown happened on the Monday all of a sudden people who I would see, I mean, there was tons of women, primarily women that we would see multiple times a week, their friend, they came to the studio to see their friends, right? That was, there's a lot of them, their social gathering, me included. And so I didn't know what we were going to do. I was like, what are, we're not going to see each other on Tuesday. How are we going to talk? So I didn't know how to communicate. So um, Instagram live, I had never done it before. And it was still, some people were already kind of doing it, but as we all know, at the beginning of of the pandemic, it was definitely present, but not, a, not what it is today. And so I thought, okay, well, Instagram live is going to be the best way for me just to talk to everybody because I knew it was also um, a two-way platform. So Monday was the first day of lockdown. I decided to do what I thought was going to be like this, like a chat on Thursday, because I had kind of come out of the fog and I was like, we have to talk. I have to find out how people are doing. I have to find out where people are at. I have to find out what they need. And so I announced on when Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to do an Instagram live. I did a post, we put an email out, meaning like, come, let's talk about how we're all feeling. Blown up on my phone, blown up on our email, everybody reposting, Marty's doing a workout Thursday. Marty's doing a workout. 
I was like, what? I don't know how to do a workout. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing a workout. I'm so tired. I've been crying nonstop. I'm terrified. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't do a workout. I can't. I just want us all to cry together on an IG live. And so Wednesday night, I was still totally in denial. Like I'm, I'm not doing a workout. I can't, I can't, I can't. And actually Danny was like, Marnie, I think you're doing a, Danny who works with me. She's like, I think you're doing a workout tomorrow. I I don't think it's an option anymore. And I, again, didn't sleep because I was so nervous and did the workout. But for the, the grace of the situation was everybody's kindness. And so I felt supported and I don't even know where that, that workout wasn't ever saved. I'm sure it's the, in my mind, it was the messiest, craziest thing that ever happened, you know, um, but so many people showed up. I mean, hundreds of people showed up. And then we're like, I guess you, you just want to do this again on Saturday. And then thousands of people showed up. And we had no idea how, or where they were coming from. But they were from all over the world. And they were so wonderful. And it was so that connection. And we actually did feel connect, even though I couldn't see them. And I couldn't talk to them like this. Um, I was in such awe of what a comfort it was. And the blessing that that was for me is I would have never, I would have been so caught up in making online perfect, whatever that meant to me in that moment. In fact, I, it had already shown, I'd spent years not launching because I so had this idea of like, if it launched, it had to be perfect when it launched because you get one chance, you know? And the, the situation and the circumstances around the lockdown gave me permission to be messy because I didn't have a, I was messy at that moment. You know, my heart and brain and mind were, we all were. Um, and I didn't know the technology and I didn't know so much stuff yet. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to just show up and learn through it. And I was so supported through it. And that's why we have online today. It was truly built through that. It's beautiful. It's, it definitely did the same thing for me with my consulting. It was just this, this push you off of a cliff moment of be like, all right, time to fly, time to do it. And it doesn't matter if it's messy, you will continue to improve and elevate and level up with time. So just do it yeah. and figure it, like make the decision, do it and figure it out. Yeah. And I think that's something that we, we all get in our way with a lot, right? Um, we get very caught up in what things are supposed to look like. And that kind of sort of speaks back to how most of the things that have been really exciting or life-changing or truly soul-filling for me are mostly things I never even thought of before or right. didn't imagine. They weren't the things I was planning on you know, that life is what happens when you make other plans. You Amen. Know? And then all these dolphins show up and, and, all these dolphins show up. and, and they want you to teach a live class on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, basically. <laughs> totally. Um, I really want to highlight how unique the Embody technique is. I have taken, personally taken every bar class throughout the Los Angeles and greater Los Angeles area. The Embody technique is so 
so beautifully unique in the fact that you use, and I'm not even going to list all the different methodologies you, you, you use, excuse me, light therapy. It's definitely a mind, body, soul, um, workout. Um, when we're talking about exercise and like muscles that are getting worked on, I mean, matters of the heart are definitely, they definitely come to the forefront. I mean, there's weight work and there's core work and there's ballet influence, but that doesn't mean that you need to have a dance background. There are, um, you know, you, you use props and then you don't use props. And then there is, you know, breath work that's involved. I mean, it really truly blew my mind the first time I took class. And as I've continued to take classes, I don't know, over the last five years, I think, um, it just, it never gets old. It is so, it is so transformative and so unique. Um, can you speak to what all of those different things in your, in your technique, how did those kind of all come together? Yeah, thank you. That was so sweet. Well, initially, um, the reason that I created Barbell and Body, I even endeavored to try to do something that felt unique. Um, was because I was at a time in my life when I was leaving acting and going through a lot of it, it felt like a big breakup for me to realize that I, I wanted to leave that and do something else. And so one of the ways that I was coping with it was, which is a way that I think a lot of people do, which is staying in movement, working through fitness, looking for different communities or different things that will get me, you know, out of my head or help calm me down or rev me up or whatever it is. So the yoga classes, the spin classes, I had fallen so deeply in love with bar. It was for me, it was just such a special, you know, thing. I did CrossFit for a minute. I, um, you know, kickboxing, all the things, all the things of all the things. Um, and I liked certain parts of each and I didn't like certain parts of each. Um, the closest I came, the closest that I could find to something being for me personally, and again, this was just me, this wasn't me thinking about trying to create something as a business. This was just me trying to find something to, to, to help keep me sane and healthy, you know, in a time that was really hard for me. Um, and the thing that came closest was, was bar in terms of the utilization of bar, body weight, the way that there was a grace that became very strong, a, a strength and grace that was so married, a specificity that quieted my mind because I had to focus on something. But there were certainly deficits to me and what I would, I've heard it called like heritage bar, sort of the base of where bar um, began when it started over here in the States, which came out of, you know, Lottie Burke's method and the few people that brought it over. Um, which is how I was trained and learned um, under the founder of Bar Method. But I was missing certain parts of it. I was, I was wanting that sweaty, exhilarated sort of feeling that you get in a really inspired spin class. And I wanted that feeling of relief that you got when you were in a great boxing class, you know? And I wanted that sense of breath and calm and connected and that feeling of openness after a yoga class and all those sorts of things. Um, plus I like always was like, you're supposed to be meditating. You're supposed to be meditating. You need to find time to meditate. You know, like, oh, so it's just like, I didn't have time or money to do all the things I wanted to do. I'm like, why isn't there just one class? Just one class that does all these things. I know exactly what it would look like. You just take this from this and this from this and this from this and you just put it together like this. Like it just made so much sense to me. And I kept trying to find somebody that was doing that. And so when you speak to it that way, Mary, when you talk about it being all of these bits, um, that's what it, that's what it was. It was, it was taking all my favorite parts and finding a way to lace it through into a package um, that 
that felt like it hit all those marks for me. And then when we started adding things like light therapy and then in, in the in-person studios using the aromatherapy and stuff, I just have such, I have such love and awe and like admiration for women in general and how many I see trying to do so damn much. And I don't even have kids, you know, and, and, but these women who they want, I want to learn. I want to be educated. I want to nourish myself. I want to nourish my family. I want to take care of my body. I want to take care of my community. I want to do really well in life, but I also need to calm down. I have to use the right products. I have to, there's so much that we like, we like, and then if we do one thing wrong, that's what we focus on all day. There's one thing we did that we didn't do. or And we're so hard on ourselves and we're trying to do so damn much. And I thought the least we could do is have like a really effective, comprehensive workout class. Like that's one thing I can help with. <laughs> like I can make... I can make, I can, I can make it so that you don't have to do five different classes and meditate and do this and do that. I can, I can help you with that. Just give me one hour and I'll, I'll knock all this off your list. And that's what it felt like. I like to refer to it as church. <laughs> yeah. I also refer to it, refer to it as therapy. Um, but we also get a great workout in also, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it is truly all the things. Um, I'm curious, what is next for Marnie Alton, the human and embody the brand? Oh, well, didn't we say it's a surprise? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know um, what is next. There are, there are certain aspirational like, uh, or like business goals that we have right now. The app, like you said, was a big one. So that's, that's been exciting and getting that out there a little bit more. Um, one, of the, one of the big um, sort of just practical things happening right now in our world is we really built all this in a pretty deep crisis mode, right? It's sort of, it started there. Um, and I think a lot of really cool stuff got done, but there was finally a moment in, at least in, in my brain where an exhales kind of started to happen, which allows for creativity and refinement again. So now it's kind of looking at what we built so quickly and, and saying, Hey, what could we improve? What needs some love? What needs some attention? What's doing great? What could be done better? So that's just from a practical perspective where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm in um, observation and not just survive. Um, that's amazing. That. That, that's cool. So that's, that's fun for me again. And which means that there are some fun projects on the horizon and ideas. And then additionally, the fact that at least in the United States, we're starting to have an opportunity to be more interactive, like in real life. Again, um, talking with a few spaces now that we don't have the studio itself, but talking with a few kind of exciting outdoor spaces and some brand partnerships in there and getting us back out into the world as well and being able to be together um, and experience that movement together again. So those things really are, are, the, are the primary, um, are the primary focuses right now. I just got a huge bolt of energy. So let me know when those dates are, I will fly back immediately. Um, where can we find you outside of this podcast? Oh, you can find, well, if you want to do the workout, you can find me at Embody Online. Um, you can also look up Marnie Alton on Instagram. We are doing some shifts and some evolutions with the website and stuff. So, um, if you want to know anything that's like immediately up to date and current um, on IG, either Marnie Alton, just like it sounds, or uh, Embodied by Marnie Alton, which also has some really cool stuff there too. 
Well, I love you so much. And thank you for being here and sharing who you are and what you do with the world. I am so touched that you're in my Rolodex, but also that you're a dear friend and that you have just thrived during this time that has been so difficult for so many. And I'm just, I'm so proud for you. It's been such, I mean, we have held each other's hands through thick and thin. And I know that we will continue to do that on this crazy road called entrepreneurship. Um, but it has been such a pleasure and you are so wonderful and we're so overdue for a proper FaceTime date. <laughs> uh, we really, really are. Thank you for doing this, you beautiful creature. Oh my gosh, I would do it 10 times over and perhaps we will have an encore, so <laughs> yeah. stay tuned. Well, inspired is an understatement. Thank you so much to Marnie Alton for coming on the show. You are simply a dream. A massive thank you to Dash Radio for hosting this podcast and to our producers at Island City Media Group for making the show come to life. I love you. If you like what you hear, please share please be sure to subscribe to Marin Costello Radio on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to receive 15% off of the shop MarinCostello.com jewelry collection, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and send us the screenshot to hello at MarinCostello.com for a special discount code. Lastly, if you'd like to connect offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Thank you, thank you all so much for tuning in. Wishing you a beautiful day and we will see you next week.